And now the moment we've all been waiting for. I'm Nate Riggle, and you are listening to The Way of the Bonfire. All right. Now, this is a core piece of, of The Way of the Bonfire fulfillment. On the last episode, I challenged anyone listening to ask themselves, what brings you the most fulfillment? And this is a different question that what, than what makes me feel good or what do I want or what takes the edge off of the pain in my life, what helps me escape. I'm not speaking of what gives me a sense of achievement or success or bliss or certainly not of the word fulfillment in the sense of fulfilling an external or perceived sense of duty or obligation to someone or some organization. That's not what I mean by fulfillment. What I'm saying is to change it up and consider what brings you fulfillment if we were to just, for the purpose of this exercise, scratch the idea that any other human or system had any expectations for you to meet. You'll come up with the wrong answers if you think of this as, what do I need to do? Because those obligations placed on you by yourself and others will jump to the front of the line. What makes you feel the most filled up as a person in a way that doesn't fade in minutes or wear off right away or the next day, but kind of has a lasting value to it. You can trick your heart and lie to yourself with your brain or let someone else's goals justify a reason for what you have focused on for so long with statements like, Well, I love providing for my family and I love making money or I love winning or being the best at something. I think that's what we feel obligated to say. So others will like us and admire our selfless attitude or our ability to to lead and win and be strong, right? I don't think it's the underlying source of fulfillment though. And the ironic thing is if we put these sort of outcomes first, We will never find the pot of gold that is right under our noses. The reason we fall for this societal pressure to chase these sorts of achievements is because they are not inherently a bad thing. Although some may say they are. I don't believe they're inherently a bad thing. And they actually can be good and even necessary if, and that is a massive if, we see them not as the goal or the top priority, but as one of the perks of focusing first and always on what really matters. If we inject this pursuit of fulfillment in everything we do, achievements can be a great temporary bonus or a byproduct of living our life the way we should be and and the way that that brings us, uh, that fills us up. They can be a useful and necessary evidence where we can later draw on these success stories from our own accomplishments and you and I can use them to build confidence or believe in ourselves to face future challenges, goals, and hardships. You think something hard's coming up. If you can go and back to a time when when you overcame that sort of thing or you did really well on something or you got an award or an accolade or an attaboy, Um, pat on the back, whatever it is because of what you did and what you accomplished, then you you know that you can do it. And you know that 
we can kind of use that to create momentum and, and faith to be able to, to move forward and and go and do it again. And I've had these accolades in a previous company or a similar role, and I know I'm not an imposter here because of that. You could say something like, I've navigated one recession before, and this was one where I was a broke college student and came out even stronger. I'm excited to see what I will be able to accomplish in the next one, knowing what I know now and being in a better spot than I was before. So it's good if you use it as an evidence, but these sort of achievements or these, I don't know what to call them, milestones or you know big wins that we've had in the past, they can also be used to make ourselves less happy by getting stuck in the past and constantly reliving our glory days at the expense of enjoying the present and seizing the day and the opportunity to connect with the people around us and everything that's right in front of us right now. If we place all of our value and priority on success, we can make others feel less less adequate and valued if we use them inappropriately. It's hard to connect with people when we're just talking about how great we are or all these amazing things we've done. So these things can't come first because they're not happiness or peace or a long-term foundation for true fulfillment. We must see them as a nice milestone or a detail that happened along the way and be grateful that we received them and gracious and recognizing that we didn't do them on our own. Stop taking credit so much for for everything. There's so many other people that were involved um, to make this possible for you, for for the things that you've done. But the worst thing we could do is see achievement and winning as the prize itself and place value on a person based on getting there. I only know this because I've tried and tried and tried to rationalize that focusing on these accomplishments first – or reaching any one of these things often enough will ensure that I will have the resources and the freedom. I need to have the flexibility in the decisions around how to help my family and give me a greater ability through power and status and money to bless the world. I could still feel my logical brain trying to convince myself that this is still a noble way of looking at it. But if I really look in my mind's eye, And I'm truly honest with myself, which isn't always easy to do. The truth is, when I have reached any level of success in these categories, I realize it's just been mostly my pride I was focusing on. And using that as an excuse for something noble. When I set a goal to get to a higher level of achievement or money, power, status, title, authority, or recognition, I usually am imagining only what it will feel like to be seen with those things. To say, how do you like me now, cruel world? And everyone that doubted me or mistreated me along the way, I'm on the top. But that's a sad way of being. That is like, a bait and switch that we do to ourselves. I have gotten there before mostly 
by focusing on the chip on my shoulder. And because of how I got there, I thought, wow, I thought this moment would be so much sweeter. I waded through lots of things that I don't enjoy doing and prioritized spending the majority of my time doing things I don't even like over the people and things that I love because I kept saying to myself that I was losing my sense of passion so I could take care of them. And that success now would allow me to do even more of the stuff that truly matters to me later. And it's a lie. I'm shrouded in, in the word discipline. Not that discipline is bad, it's just we, we use it improperly sometimes. Because then when you've proven something, say you had the chip on your shoulder, it's kind of like, oh no, I still have all these expectations from others that I've allowed to become kind of the commonplace thing and obligations that I feel that aren't and have never been from my own needs or desires. I, and I don't have anything to motivate me to put my head down and be obedient and pretend like I'm happy to do it now that I'm not so angry and resentful or greedy like I was before. What's pushing me? Then inevitably you feel like you have lost your purpose and can even get to a point where you forget that you once loved for the right reasons. Forget like what the things were that you used to were just naturally passionate about. And if you let that go on for too long, the people and the systems with the expectations and obligations get impatient. And if you're not careful, sometimes the resentment and anger and the chip on your shoulder can grow back because you feel a lack of ever having time for yourself or that no one appreciates all the quote-unquote sacrifices you made to take care of them and fulfill your duty. Then you start the unhappy cycle of performing and trying to impress all over again. This is how we get old, rude, angry executives who eventually die with a lot of money in their account, but who pass along no real good into the world. So my pursuit now is to break this hypnosis and get our own passion and energy for life back. We have to focus on being disciplined in defining what we love doing, not in finding a way to do what we don't love every day, most of the time, so that we can some magical day that never comes use the self-inflicted misery to pay for future fulfillment. We need to stop saying, yes, my life was not what I wanted to do, but my children and grandchildren will benefit from sacrificing my true mission and needs to build them a legacy. And we can use that word wrong, legacy. <laughs> Usually if we say it in that sense, we're just talking about riches to make their life easier. But what they will really benefit from our children and grandchildren, our families, is having a parent who is full of life and passion and love and attention because they valued the right things. They listened to the voice pulling them toward their calling and passed those principles for life onto every life they came in contact with. Maya Angelou said, your legacy is every life you touch. The bonfire that they became 
passed its embers into others. We don't need your money. We need the best, kindest, most thoughtful, fulfilled, and happiest and wildest version of you. Go get them. Hey, thanks for listening to this episode of the podcast. I do appreciate it, and I'd love it if you'd subscribe so that you never miss another show. We'll see you on the next episode.